Good morning. August is uh, about over. School's back in session. Uh, in Southern California, do you say summer's over when school starts? Um, I, don't, I don't even know what that means to say summer's over. Um, any regrets from your summer? Anything you wish you had done? Uh, a trip or go to the beach or something, but uh, it just didn't happen? Any projects? You're going to paint the house, uh, you know, and it just didn't happen. Clean the garage out. Um, man, summer is so short, and you just hate to waste it. Now, like I say, do you, do you consider summer short in Southern California? Um, as most of you know, we lived in Alaska for a lot of years, and summer was really short. Um, I thought it was two days, but wife told me it was one day. So, um, you know, you really got to work hard to get those projects done in summer there. But here, it's like, oh, just wait till January and do it then. It's okay. <clears throat> how about your life? I don't care how old you are. Don't you have this sense of, I can't believe I'm the age you are? You know, if you're 10, I can't believe I'm 10 already. And if you're 20, I can't believe I'm 20 already. And if you're 30, I was talking to someone recently, and they were in their late 20s. I said, I can't believe I'm almost 30. I can remember my dad saying, he says, I can't believe the words 65 are coming out of my mouth. So no matter how old you are, it's hard to believe you're there, right? Life is fleeting. It goes so fast. Wouldn't it be awful to get to the end, stand before Jesus, and look back and say, oh, all the things that I regret. Feel like I wasted my life, or at least parts of it. Can we even comprehend what that might feel like? Solomon addresses these concerns in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been in Ecclesiastes all summer, and next week is the end of the series. Uh, we're going to continue today. Solomon is the author of Ecclesiastes. He probably wrote the book near the end of his life. He's writing about the raw, ugly reality that life is hard, and it doesn't always make sense, and things happen that are incomprehensible. But he makes it very clear that the only way we can make sense of life if we can at all. The only way to keep your sanity is to fear God and keep his commandments. Chapter 12 and verse 13 says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And Todd will unpack that text for us next week. Apart from Jesus, life makes no sense. And even if you know Jesus and follow him, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Apart from a life fixed and focused and centered on Christ, we'll have regrets and we'll waste our life. We need, to, we need to sing that song in Christ alone every day because that's where life is found. So our text today is uh, chapter 11.7 through 12.8. Uh, the first part of chapter 12, the end of chapter 11. You're going to need your Bibles. Uh, the guys have Bibles. If you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand and they'll give you uh, a Bible that you can keep take it with you. Uh, the rest of you turn to chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. Now, seven weeks ago, the last time I was up here, I challenged you to read the book of Ecclesiastes in one sitting multiple times. 
And the second week I was up here, I asked, and three of you had done it. So seven weeks later, how many of you have read the book of Ecclesiastes at least once in one sitting? Oh, much better. Still pathetic, but much better. <laughs> was, it, was it helpful to read it straight through? One person, it was helpful. <clears throat> That's good. So this is, this is life. How do we live in such a way that we do not waste our lives? I'm not talking about never making a mistake or never making a bad decision. That will happen. Everybody does that. But living our lives in such a way that the overall trajectory of our life is pointed in a direction that will allow us near the end to look back and say, I lived well. I have no regrets. I'm ready to die. How do we live in such a way so that when we stand before Jesus at the end and look him in the face, will we be able to look him in the face? Will we be able to look Jesus in the eye and say, I lived well. Oh yeah, I made mistakes, but I lived well. Or will we stand there with our eyes downcast, not being able to look him in the face? And I'm talking about believers here, people that know Jesus, whose sins are forgiven. I'm not talking about that. Solomon reiterates two major principles in this, in this text we're in today that have permeated the whole book. We've seen these two principles before, and it's really the theme or, or, or the core of the book of Ecclesiastes. But he comes at it again in a different way in this passage, and he uses the frame of the passages of life. From the energy and passion of youth to the feebleness and frailty of old age, we see these two principles once again. I want to give you these two principles, and then we're going to unpack them for the rest of the time here. First of all, we are to enjoy the pleasures of life. And what that means is not live wild and crazy or in a hedonistic way, but, 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 but it means that we, we take what God has given us, the food, the, the, the sunset, the trees, the mountains, the ocean, the beach, and we enjoy them. And it also means that we enjoy what it is we have and not wish we had something else. Enjoy your 13-year-old Chevy. And don't wish you had a brand-new Mercedes. This is what I have, so I'm going to wash it once in a while and enjoy it. Second principle is that we're to fear God and obey Him. We're to worship God. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're to focus our life towards him. Now, we will each do well if we build our lives around these two life principles. And as I was studying this, I thought, man, this is, this is like it. If I live by these two truths, I think it's safe to say that I'm going to come to the end and say, I did okay. I'm going to be able to look Jesus in the eye and say, I did all right. Oh, yeah, mistakes, stupid things along the way. Let me suggest to you that the, to the extent that we ignore these two truths, we will end up with regret. To the extent that we ignore these, we will end up with a sense of, I've wasted my life or parts of my life. 
So let's, let's dive in. First major life principle from Ecclesiastes is that we are to enjoy the pleasures of life. Now here in chapter 11, for the seventh and final time, Solomon commands us to enjoy our lives. Now you wouldn't think that would be necessary because that's something we think we'd like to do, but we don't do very well at it. Uh, in spite of all the incomprehensible stuff that happens, in spite of all the pain and suffering and trial and difficulty and hardship that comes, we're to enjoy what we have. Verse seven, look at chapter 11, verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Now, light here in this passage is a metaphor for life because darkness equals death, light equals life. And to see the sun is a metaphor for being alive. So what we could say here, what Solomon is saying is, life is sweet. It is amazing that I'm alive. You feel that way every morning? When the alarm goes off, isn't it amazing to wake up and see the sunrise? You know, after a lifetime of living in the north, uh, we moved to Southern California, and, and, and my wife would get up in the morning, and she'd look out the window and say, oh, God, you've done it again. The sun is shining. Do we have that attitude? Do we, do we wake up in the morning and go, I'm alive? Do you realize how amazing it is that you even exist? Do you realize that God could have chosen not to make you and you wouldn't be here? Now that kind of fries some circuits on our brain because we all have a self-consciousness, a self-awareness but, but God made me and gave me life and put me on the earth. And he did to you too. Not, not somebody that doesn't exist, but me. Why? Why did he give me life? I should wake up and go, wow, here I am again. Let me remind you of a few other places where, where Solomon has said the same thing about enjoying life. Chapter 5 and verse 18. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment and all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and, see this, power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. Let me suggest that it's a gift of God, and it takes power to enjoy what God's given us. Verse, uh, chapter 9 of verse 7, 9-7, go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments always be, with white, be always white, let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. And read there, all your days of your senseless, incomprehensible life where stuff happens that doesn't make sense, enjoy it anyway. Because that's your portion in life. So Solomon goes on now to answer a couple questions about enjoying life. First of all, why? Those of you that are Eeyores, why? Why should I enjoy life? Because it's really hard. Well, look at verse 9 of chapter 11. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. There is a coming day 
when we will stand before Jesus and we will give answers for how we have lived our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, we're not exactly sure what this looks like, but in some way, all of us who name the name of Jesus and are believers are going to stand before Jesus, the great judge, presumably with all other believers looking on, and have our lives analyzed and evaluated. Doesn't that sound fun? Now, this is not for salvation, because the blood of Jesus has completely covered the penalty of our sins. This is not a judgment to see if we go to heaven or hell. That's been determined. This This is answering for how we have lived our lives. Now, do you suppose there will be regrets on that day? Is there anything in your life that you'll be embarrassed about if it's brought to light? Anybody besides me? Anything you're going to be ashamed of? Wow, it's going to be, it's going to be awful to stand before Jesus and look him in the face, if we can even look him in the face, and realize what we wasted. I think Jesus is going to look at us and say, I gave you life. For part of your life, I gave you youth. I gave you energy. I gave you beautiful things to enjoy. I allowed you to live on this earth in a beautiful place. Did you enjoy my good gifts? Did you savor a good hamburger and thank me for creating In-N-Out? <laughs> Did you go to Yosemite and worship me for the amazing vistas that I made for you? Did you stare at a flower, the ocean, a piece of art, listen to a piece of music, and enjoy it and worship me for it? Did you take time to be still and sit in my presence and just bask in the reality that the sun shines and the grass grows and the trees are alive? Did you enjoy your station in life, whether it was singleness or married or single again? Did you enjoy that stage of life or were you always longing for a different one? Did you enjoy your kids when they were little and play Legos and have tea parties and play horsey and just enjoy that phase? Did you marvel at the gift I gave you and your spouse? Or will we say, no, Jesus, I didn't have time for all that because I was too busy serving you. I was too busy doing ministry. I was too busy worrying about my 401k and how the stock market dropped a thousand points this week. And he says, it came right back. Why did you worry about that? I was too busy complaining about this dysfunctional relationship with my fill-in-the-blank parents, kids, brother-in-law, mother-in-law, sister-in-law, wife, co-worker. I was too worried. Yeah, I was too busy worrying about getting cancer, probably from eating too much in and out. I was too busy worrying about Iran getting the bomb. I was too busy demanding that I get my rights in this life. I was too busy 
to enjoy the stuff that you've given me. And Jesus says, no, I had all that under control. You didn't need to worry about that. It is a grave sin when we do not enjoy the life and the things that God has given us. When we complain about our situation and wish it were different, when we waste an hour or a day or a year because things aren't going our way, we will each give an account for today, August 30th, 2015. What will be exposed on how we live today? The second reason we need to enjoy life is because youth is fleeting. Now, life is fleeting. It goes way too fast to worry about it, but Solomon is addressing youth here. Look at verse 9, 11-9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. Remove vexation and, and that word vexation maybe could better be rendered anger or worry or stress or anxiety or irritation. Remove this stuff from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. The word there for youth probably means childhood or early youth, like the teen years, young adult. And the dawn of life is better probably referring to the prime of life. And this is our word vanity that we've seen the whole way through here. And I think in this setting it could be translated as fleeting. So remove stress and anxiety and worry from your heart. Put away pain from your body for youth and the prime of life are fleeting. And those of you, I'm not there yet, but those of you that are past the prime of life, isn't it fleeting? Doesn't it go fast? Now, Solomon here is directly addressing those who are younger rather than those who are older. And I was thinking of trying to define older and younger. <clears throat> I thought, man, that's just a time bomb. Um, it's all about perspective, and I don't want to offend those of you who think you're young but really aren't. Um, so... I'm just going to let you determine if you think you're younger or older. You can bask in your deception if you want. Um, because the principles still apply. As we will see, the principles still apply regardless of where you are or where you think you are. So, so hang on there. Biblically, according to the text, youth is that era of time when most of your life is still ahead of you. Your energy is seemingly limitless does that help some of you define where you're at? <laughs> um, there are still great dreams and great visions for, for what you're going to do. The world is your oyster and you can do anything you want. Solomon says, enjoy your youth. Don't waste it on worry and stress and irritations and bitterness and anger. Don't live for what you want someday. Don't wish you were married or wish you weren't married or wish you had kids or wish you didn't have kids or, you know, don't, don't wish for how you want things to be. Live in the now. Live today. God has given you today. You'll never get it back. So rejoice in it. Enjoy it. Live it well. And if, you're, if you are really young, You'll never be young again. 
It goes fast. So enjoy it. Make the most of it. But Solomon tells old people that, that you, not we, you should enjoy life too. Uh, verse, verse 8, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. So those who live many years, rejoice in those years. Because there's going to come a time. The days of darkness could be referring to those, that time of life where we're so feeble and so frail that it's difficult to function. Could also be referring to to actually dying. Old people, and I say that respectfully, enjoy your life right where you are. Don't check out at 60 or 70 or 80. Live in light of the reality that the dark days of really old and feeble are coming and death is right around the corner. But it's never too late to invest for God. It's never too late to blow it. You understand that? It's never too late to start or continue And if you've been doing well, it's never too late to blow it. So keep doing well and finish well. So the first major life principle that Solomon gives us here is that we are to enjoy the life that God has given us because one day we're going to give an account to the eternal judge and this life goes so fast. So enjoy it. Second major life principle is that we are to fear God and obey Him. Chapter 12 and verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. This word remember is a figurative expression for obeying God, acknowledging His Lordship over our life. It points us to 12.13 where it says, Fear God and keep His commandments. The word remember is an imperative. It's a command. We are commanded to keep God first and foremost in our life. And there's a time frame here. The word before occurs three times in chapter 12. So we're to remember our Creator. We're, We're to remember God. We're to focus on Jesus Excuse me. <clears throat> before, verse 1, before the evil days come. Evil days, it's not a moral term. It's, it's referring to the days of hardship and difficulty of old age. Verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. This is a metaphor for just getting old and all the miseries and the, of old, being old and feeble. And then in verse 6, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered, or the wheel broken. I'm not exactly sure what these metaphors are, and, and nobody is either, in spite of their attempts. But the picture is definitely describing death. So, so we're to fear God. We're to remember Him. We're to worship Him and focus on Him. We're to make Him the center of our lives before we reach these dark days of old age before we die. And so if you are sitting here today, and if you are alive, for you, it is before these dark days come. Don't wonder if this applies to you. If you're here, it does. So today is the day to fix your eyes on Jesus. 
Today is the day to put aside your pursuit of money or fame or illicit pleasures. Today is the day to quit worrying or stressing about a broken relationship or how much I lost in my retirement this week. Today is the day to set your mind on things above, to invest in eternal things. Today is the day to invest in your marriage before years pass and you look at your spouse and go, who are you? Today is the day to go home and play with your kids, to get on the floor and get into their world. Today is the day to let go of that offense, that anger, that bitterness that you may have been carrying for years or decades. Let go of it. Don't waste another day of your life dealing with that. And if you're in this room this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, today is the day to change that. Today is the day to say, I want, I want that. Because my life is meaningless. My life is without purpose. And I want that purpose. I want that meaning. I want to know this Jesus that makes sense of everything, even when I don't understand it. Today is the day to do that. He died on this cross. And we won't answer for our sins at that final judgment. We won't answer for, for all of that ugly stuff that separates us from him. We'll answer for our actions and, and, and some of that. But he has taken that away. And today is the day by faith to claim that and become a follower of Jesus. Now, just in case we aren't sure what he means by old age, Solomon describes this process of aging in chapter 12. He seems to be using the imagery of a, of a, of a decaying and unprotected house, uh, which pictures the decay that comes to the body. Uh, this is a fascinating passage. Uh, there have been many creative attempts at interpreting these metaphors, there's lots of disagreement and, and, and lots of lack of consensus on what they mean, but we're going to take a run at it anyway. So, so hang on, chapter, let's start at chapter 12 and verse 3. When the keepers of the house tremble, and I'm just going to give you what maybe is the best way to understand this. Probably uh, this is talking about the hands and the arms that start trembling and shake with palsy. This is, this is just a metaphorical picture of old age. And I would suggest that the more of these you relate to, the older you are. Um, I didn't set up a scale because, well, just because. Um, verse 3, strong men are bent. The legs and the knees don't work like they used to. You walk all hunched over. Uh, it used to be I would wake up in the morning and wonder why my back was, was sore. And I'd, I'd go, oh yeah, I carried a piano up three flights of stairs yesterday. Okay, that's, that's why it hurts. Now I wake up with sore muscles and I go, what did I do? Oh, I took the trash out yesterday. <laughs> that's what I did. <clears throat> you laugh because you can relate. <clears throat> a lot more old people in here than I thought. <clears throat> The grinders cease because they are few. What's that? Your teeth. I still have mine, so. Um, those who look through the windows are dimmed. This has got to be eyesight. I'll never forget the day that I was working in a real close quarters. I think I was in a hot water closet, hot water heater closet. Hot water closet? Hot water heater closet. You know, it's pretty tight in there, and I was working on something, and I needed to back up so I could see it better. And I hit the wall. And I thought, it's still blurry. 
and I can't go back any further. And now we have these laying all over the house. <laughs> we buy them by the gross and just, and just, I mean, you're there. Um, doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. Man, have there been some creative solutions to what this means. Uh, it seems to be a picture of not having any teeth left, so you have to eat soft foods, and with no teeth, your lips tend to kind of cave in, and you can sort of picture, you know, you've seen pictures of guys with no teeth, and their lips just kind of disappear into their mouth, um, something like that. Uh, verse 4, one rises up at the sound of a bird. When was the last time you slept all night long? Or, or when was the last time I slept all night long? Man, maybe you do. I don't. Uh, things just wake you up. All the daughters of song are brought low. Uh, maybe this means Solomon can no longer compose songs and music. This guy was a master poet, a master songwriter, and maybe in his old age he just doesn't have it anymore. Or maybe it means we can no longer sing, or we can no longer hear music or appreciate music. Verse 5, afraid of what is high and terrors in the way. Wow. Fear of heights, fear of travel, driving isn't as easy as it used to be, phobias. Uh, when I was young, I remember walking out on this railroad trestle. It was, it was caved in in the middle, and it was probably 100 feet off the creek below. And I got right out to the edge and had my friend take a picture of me to send to my mom. <clears throat> How cruel is that? <clears throat> Just a few weeks ago, our son sent us a video of him climbing out onto the balcony. This is not supposed to be a balcony. On the 26th floor of a high-rise building, dangling his legs over the side. <clears throat> and I get sick just remembering it. It's the exact thing I would have done when I was young, but we don't do those things as we get older. Fearlessness is gone. And <clears throat> Verse 5, the almond tree blossoms. Well, that means your hair turns white, or in some cases it goes away completely. Um, the grasshopper drags itself along. Grasshoppers are known for losing their legs. So this is the canes and the walkers. And the legs just don't work like they used to. Desire fails. This is specifically referring to sexual desire. Sexual desire is lost. Sexual ability is lost. It goes away. And then the end of verse 5, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. This isn't a metaphor. This guy is dying and his funeral's in progress. This is death. Verses 6 and 7 that we already looked at, uh, clearly describing death. Before the silver cord is snapped, possibly the spinal cord, and the golden bowl is broken, maybe the brain, and the pitcher is shattered in the at the fountain, possibly the heart, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so here's this picture of old age. We're born, we're young, we grow up, we get old, and we die. And it goes faster than we can possibly imagine. 
The days of old age are difficult. They can be lonely. Energy is low. Physical issues keep us from doing much. Things hurt. Parts of us break. Stuff doesn't work that used to work. And it's not fun. And it's frustrating. So Solomon's wisdom from his post at the end of his life, looking back over it, is serve God while you are young and you have the energy to do it. Don't wait. Don't waste another day. Don't think that you'll start sometime. Don't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow never comes. Don't stand before Jesus and hang your head in regret and look at your wasted life displayed for all to see. For those of us who are older, don't waste these years longing to be young again. We aren't. We can't serve God in the, in the many and we can serve God in many and profound ways. Even though the energy of youth is fading, don't quit. So Solomon wraps up this section in verse 8 when he says, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Basically what he's saying is, apart from God, life is empty. It makes no sense. It's meaningless. But in Christ, life is rich. It's an adventure. There's, there's twists and turns and it has purpose. Even when we don't always understand, there is a, this is a better way to live. So live in light of these two principles. Ask yourself this morning, am I enjoying the life I have and not wasting it in anxiety and stress? Am I fearing God and obeying Him and keeping Him the center of my focus? Let me tell you about my dad. My dad worked hard for Jesus his whole life. Well, he was saved at 17, so from 17 on, he worked hard. He was a farmer, then a carpenter, and then God called him to be a pastor. And for 34 years, he pastored the exact same church, church I grew up in. He was faithful beyond faithful. When they were building a new church building, they needed a welder for the steel stairs. And dad says, well, I used to do some welding. So he took off his suit and put on his coveralls, and he welded like crazy to get these stairs built and save money. He invested the energy of his youth for the kingdom. I can't ever remember seeing my dad down or depressed or discouraged. Unfortunately, my kids will not be able to say the same thing about their dad. But dad was the eternal optimist. And even if he worked a bit too hard, and I'd say he probably did, he loved it. And he was energetic, and he was positive, and he was upbeat. And then he got older, and he slowed down, and retirement came. He couldn't do as much as he used to, and he resigned from that church, but he kept working. He cut his own firewood. Well into his 70s, he'd go out into the woods and cut down trees, and mom was scared to death. Um, and he would come home and he'd split it to heat the house. He took on some smaller churches and pastored them for a few years while they looked for a new pastor. He worked and he served till he couldn't even do that anymore. And then mom died, she was gone. Dad remarried at age 72. And then five years later, that wife died. And, and no women would look at him after that. Um, <clears throat> and he lived alone. Eventually, he could hardly get to church. He used a walker to get around. He had to stop driving. My brother had to transport him. Parkinson's, Parkinson's set in. He couldn't leave the nursing home. And finally, at 83, God took him home. I have no doubt he will stand before Jesus and hear, well done. Some mistakes and failures, of course, but no regrets. He did not waste his life. 
I want to live that way. I want to invest every minute and every day for Jesus. Make mistakes? Absolutely, and there'll be more. But I want the trajectory of my life to, to, to be fixed and focused on that. I want to enjoy life. I get, I'm a type A person, and I get stressed out over stuff, and I want to quit it. Plug your ears, Dawn. I didn't really say that because <laughs> she'll hold me accountable. I want to enjoy a sunset. I want to enjoy a piece of music, and I want to enjoy what God's given us. And I want to finish well. And I challenge you this morning, what has the Spirit said to you? Where do you need to make changes? Where do I need to make changes? Is my life pointed towards Jesus? Am I worried and anxious about a broken relationship that just isn't worth worrying about? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Enjoy what he's given you to enjoy. And imagine yourself standing before Jesus and saying, I lived well. I lived large. And long for him to say, well done. Lord Jesus, that's our prayer. That's our desire. Let it be our passion. Thank you for the life that you've given us. Thank you that you created us and made us. And because we're in this room, we exist. Each person here is a person that you chose to give life to and to give self-awareness to, and to give identity to. And many of us, you've called to follow you, and we want to serve you well. And there's probably some here who have not chosen to follow you, who have not placed their faith in you. And I pray that they would, they would glimpse today that that's where life is found. That's purpose. Father, may we live well, live large for the sake of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.